In this episode, I would like to explain how this story from Daniel Kahneman can be utilized and leveraged in developing and designing analytics projects and data tools. And this is the Healthcare Analytics Podcast. Daniel Kahneman, in his book, Thinking Fast and Slow, has this story that he tells about estimating the time it takes to do something and or resources that it takes to accomplish something. Early in his career, he was working through a project with a series of cohorts in his university about how to design and deliver a new curriculum for a specific class. And so a year in, they have designed a book, they've written a few chapters, and they all get together and and decide on their next steps. And he says, okay, since we've started this project and it's going on, I want to know how long it's going to take to complete this project. And so he asks everybody in his cohort, about a handful of people, how long do you think it will take to complete this book and the curriculum? So what he has done is he has everybody individually write down on a piece of paper or anonymously give their uh, assessment of how long the project will take. And so he gathers all those in, and after gathering gathering them in, the best estimate is like one and a half years, and the longest estimate is two years to complete the project. And he says, okay, great. So we think this is going to take uh, between a year and a half and two years to complete the book and the curriculum. So then he asked the senior, uh, the senior advisor for the entire group on his experience and what he's experienced as far as designing and developing a curriculum from the ground up. And as a professor, he thinks about it and he thinks of all the different cases outside of their own university where there has been instances of developing new curriculum and methods of teaching, etc. And the senior person on that group says, well, at the very best, it has taken seven years for a group to develop curriculum and book to support their their research, and at the most, 10 years. So Daniel Kahneman says, well, that's a big difference between a year and a half and two. So he says, well, are we above average as a group or below average? And, and the other person says, well, this group is kind of below average. And so they all sit there kind of looking at each other, wondering what's going to happen now with the project since you have two pieces of information where everybody inside of the group has estimated completion within a year and a half to two years. And outside of their group, any other cases have completed an in-depth rewrite at seven to 10 years. This is a big difference. But long story short, they all looked at each other and said, well, we're going to keep on going with this project uh, regardless of the cost because we think it's going to take a year and a half to two years and we can work with that. Eight years later, after the professor leaves that university, moves to the United States and has a different uh, set of responsibilities, eight years later, they finally complete the book and the course. And to their surprise, it doesn't get used by the university or any other group within that university, even though they spent that much time designing and developing that book and course material. 
So what does Daniel Kahneman and estimating the amount of time taken in order to complete a specific course have to do with your experience in your individual situation in healthcare, in IT, or any other industry? Well, what it has to do with is how you estimate projects. If you have been uh, a leader for any given amount of time, you will most likely have started and or managed a project that has taken a certain amount of time. And sometimes the estimate is accurate and sometimes it is not. And so I'm going to give you a few lessons that Daniel Kahneman has learned about estimating and benchmarking specific projects so that you can have a realistic expectation of completing the project when you expect. The first thing to keep in mind is that when you start a project, you have to understand how much resources are you going to allocate to the project? How much time do you expect and what will it take? And in Scrum and many other methods, what you'll have is you'll first have to make that estimate. And most likely, that estimate will come from individuals within your organization that give their best estimate about how to complete a project. In Scrum, what they recognize is that Many people are difficult at assessing how long it will take them to do something. So what they do is they use a Fibonacci sequence. And so if you know Fibonacci sequence, it is a sequence where if, if one plus two, if you have one and one plus one equals two and one plus two equals three and two plus three equals five, then there's a scale there that is not linear, but is exponential. So when you use a scale like this, what it means is that it gives developers and those working on the projects leeway to essentially assign and estimate their project, not on a linear basis, but essentially how hard is it going to be? And so it gives them some leeway, but it's still inside knowledge. They're still grabbing onto the knowledge that they have internally and most likely are giving their best estimate. And that's one of the fallacies is that when you have inside individuals giving you an estimate about what is, how long it's going to take, then usually the, they're going to give their best estimate. And the reason why is because upon starting on a project, you want to be optimistic about the outcomes and goals, what you're going to accomplish and the results at the other end. But there are a lot of unforeseen things that can happen with a project if you only look at the experience within your group. A really common example is uh, research done about the cost of renovating a kitchen. Most people uh, across this research estimated that the cost of renovating their kitchen would be around $18,000. At the end, most of them would have spent over $30,000 to renovate their kitchen. And I know this from experience. Last year, last winter, I broke a line between our propane tank and the kitchen and we had to stop the propane and have somebody come in and fix it. And I thought, okay, big deal. This is only going to cost $60 for it to get fixed. $300 later, it got fixed and it was a week after afterwards. So these kinds of estimates based on internal experience can lead you to disappointment. And so what Daniel Kahneman recommends is that there are unknown unknowns that you can't foresee. And so it's best to get an outside estimate of somebody's perspective that has dealt with similar projects. And so if you're about to lead a project in analytics that has to do with a specific set of skills or a specific set of tools, then it's better to lean on those who have done it before. And instead of it asking a developer, how long will it take you to do it? You can ask them, how long has it taken you to do similar projects? Or 
How long is the average for this project? The response for any developer will be, well, this one's unique, so I can't really give you an estimate based on the average for what's unique, but it can at least give you an idea. And if you are good about tracking the amount of time and resources it takes for your organization to complete projects, then you can collect a list of projects and the resources and time that it takes so that when you have a new project that is similar to other projects, then you can be better at your estimate. So one of Daniel Kahneman's best recommendations is to recognize the difference between an inside view and an outside view. The inside view is the estimate that those within your organization will give in a certain projects and the outside view, which is what is the success rate and results for those outside of your organization who has done something similar? Another thing that Daniel Kahneman wanted to watch out for is what he calls a planning fallacy. And the planning fallacy essentially says that estimates are closer to best case scenarios than otherwise have stated. And so what, what he's saying is that any estimate given within your organization is most likely going to skew to the best case scenario than the worst case scenario. And I know this from experience. If I'm trying to impress a client or impress somebody else on my team, I really want to give them my best case scenario of, oh, this will be done by tomorrow or the next day. But it takes discipline to be able to say, well, given everything that I'm doing now, it's going to take me a few more days to get this done or a few more hours or the cost is going to be a little bit greater. And it's difficult to tell somebody who is leading a project that it's going to take more than expected. Because the reason why is because you don't want to disappoint up front, but you also don't want to disappoint as the project is going through to completion. And often, those who are guaranteed a project, as likely as in our case, are those who can promise something really, really great. And so they can promise a quick delivery time, and a very cheap estimate. But in reality, sometimes those who give you the best estimate are those who cost the most in the long run because they fail to estimate and they fail to understand that there is a planning fallacy that they're committing to. And so if if you are looking to complete a project, ask somebody, what are the results for projects that were completed similar to this one? Their success rate, how much time it took, and any other details that may give you a clue about how it's going to be. Because in any individual, there are two switches. There's one that says, how much can I do as an individual and inside the organization? But what it does is it it makes it so that it takes perspective and puts it right into the specific scenario. But if you allow your team to step back for a moment and recognize that, you and your team may not be as unique as you thought, then you can come up with an estimate that is more close to reality because you are comparing to other teams and other projects within uh, within that case set. And so if there are similar projects that have to do with setting up a database, building data visualizations, uh, building data pipelines, any of these things have been done before. And if they've been done, then you can surely find estimates that are more accurate than than not. So don't neglect statistics of similar cases. 
If you can gather the results of similar cases for your project, then what you can do is you can build statistics about what is the normal mean, what is the normal amount of time and resources available, and then how far does it skew outside of that. And this can help you explain to those within your organization the range of resources required and also compared to others within your industry. The last thing that Daniel Kahneman recommends is to avoid irrational perseverance. And he calls this irrational perseverance because in his case, he was working through developing a curriculum and that 10-minute conversation where they all took a sheet of paper and estimated anonymously how much it would take to complete that specific project. And they also took note of similar situations in which their results were seven to 10 years to completion versus the one and a half to two years that they mentioned. And so instead of looking at each other and saying, well, we should stop this project right now and not waste any more resources, they went along with the project and committed more and more and more time to it instead of just cutting their losses and going to something that would have been more effective for their time. And this happens all the time. I can't tell you how long and or how often this happens, where many individuals will be involved in a project for, let's say, three or four months, and it drags on to five or six, and then it drags on to a year, and a year and a half, and you have the CFO and the CTO asking, now what in the world is going on with this project that was supposed to take two months, and now it's taking a year and a half and is not even completed? Well, the reason why some developer will say the reason why is because, well, all these unforeseen circumstances that we didn't realize we would run up against, that this technology is more difficult, this specific case has difficulties, etc., and will come up with what you think is a lot of excuses, but are realistic things that they have had to overcome in order to accomplish that. And man, I can't tell you how many times I have personally been on the other end or the development end of that, trying to explain to a leader why this project is taking longer than expected. And after so many times of that, I've learned my lesson to say, well, I want to give a good estimate up front of how long the project will take and set expectations based on outside situations instead of giving my best case scenario where there are no problems whatsoever. And if you have been a leader for any given amount of time and have been involved in a project that is way out of your depth as a team or as an organization, then there may be this little voice in your head that says, hey man, like this project worked out just fine and this project is moving, but there's no way that it's going to get completed in the time that was originally allotted. And this little voice can tell you, hey, you should keep on going even though you don't see the end of the road. And, and that's a dangerous spot. This can also be called the sunk cost fallacy. And it's tied into irrational perseverance because sunk cost means that if you don't look at your situation now, regardless of how much you put into it, then you won't have a clear understanding of what's going to happen in the future. And so sunk cost fallacy works like this. Suppose you're at a poker table and you're holding a deck of cards and you've already put chips on the table and you've already made a bet of what's going to happen. The four cards or the river comes out and you're still at a loss, but there's one dude at the other end and you don't know exactly what he has. What are you gonna do in that situation? Because you could push more 
into the table and you could try to edge him out, but you don't necessarily know if the next card is going to be your winner or not. And so if you have a rational perseverance, then you're going to say, well, I'm going to go on with this anyway because of the cost that I already put forward, because of the chips I already laid on the table. And that can usually get you into trouble. And the sunk cost fallacy says, well, regardless of how many chips you've been putting on the table, you should look at your situation now and make a decision now, regardless of any past commitments you have made. And personally, this ability to understand sunk cost fallacy has saved me on numerous occasions, especially with projects where I had to communicate where we were and decide on if any more resources should be allocated to this project or it should go to somewhere else. And it's difficult to say, well, no, I think that we should work on tying out this project so we can dedicate our resources to something more useful and more beneficial. So know how to call it quits. Know when to say, regardless of how much we've committed, this is where we're going to end because there are other things that we can pursue that are of much more benefit. And Daniel Kahneman recommends these three things for ensuring a successful project. The first is know the difference between an inside view and an outside view. The inside view is the estimates, thoughts, and concepts within your organization or your team. The outside view is the experience from those outside of your organization or the perspective outside of your organization that's possible. Secondly, watch out for the planning fallacy. And the planning fallacy is that those estimates that are done by individuals are closer to the best case scenario than the realistic scenario. And the third is watch out for irrational perseverance and understand the sunk cost fallacy when you're deciding on how far to take a project. So after you understand these three things, I want to recommend some tools and some practical things that you can do to set up a good system for committing to projects, for dedicating resources and time to different projects. The first is if you are benchmarking your project, know what you're benchmarking against. And the way to do this is to collect data, collect data from within your organization and outside of your organization. If you're collecting data, regardless of where it is, you need to understand what projects are being completed and how much resources are being dedicated to the projects that you're working on. So you can begin by building a data set and or a database of IT projects across your organization that have been completed and how much time and resources have been dedicated to those projects, which ones are, are ongoing and which ones are planned in the future. Once you gather the list of those projects within your organization that have been completed or are in the process of completing, then you can gain an understanding within your organization of how long it takes to complete certain projects. What this means is that once you have the information about similar projects within your organization, once you start a new IT project, you can explain to the stakeholders in the project that this one is similar to another project in the same realm. And so Suppose that similar project have costs from ten dollars to $12,000 to complete and takes about six months to a year to complete. Well, you can say, even though this project is unique, it is similar, it is 50% or 60% similar. And so what we're going to estimate is on the best case scenario, 
This project will take, at the best case, $8,000 and seven months to complete, and $15,000 at the most, and a year and a half to complete. And once you give give the leadership team a range like that, it's much easier to sell. And the the narrower the range, the better, but what you want to do is you want to be able to be realistic with what you're working with. And so explain all of the things that you expect to have overcome within the project or the hurdles that you have to overcome. But this only takes place once you have a list of projects that have been completed and how much resources have been dedicated to it within your organization. And so you have this list within your organization of all the projects that have been completed, and that's a good place to start. But what you also need is you need outside resources and or outside comparisons so that you can compare it if there are unique projects outside of your organization. And this is where traditional case studies could help you out, where you tap into case studies of other organizations that have completed certain projects. And case studies can cost a lot of money, but where I would start is to go to colleagues within your industry and just take them out to lunch or coffee or whatever and say, hey, we're thinking about this kind of project. Do you know off the top of your head of any similar projects and roughly how much did it cost and how long did it take you? And if they're in your industry or are experienced with the kind of project that you're hoping to lead, then they'll give you an estimate that is accurate from an outsider's point of view. Because what you want is you want to compare your inside view versus your outside view so that you can show those two and see how often they line up. If they line up pretty well, then you know that you're more likely to be accurate than not. The last thing that I would recommend is for you to review all the projects under your leadership that are ongoing and assess where they are now. Because I would venture to say that within any organization, small or large, there are projects that have gone on for too long that have taken up resources that could be dedicated to other things. And once you understand that the irrational perseverance is a big deal, then you can allow for those within your organization and within your team to be able to cut a specific project and move on to something else. And this is often the mark of successful organizations and successful leaders. They are able to explain and or rededicate resources to things that are more relevant. And if you pay attention, the most successful organizations in the world are able to do this very effectively. They're able to say to themselves, we tried this, this, and this, but it's not working out as we expected, so we're going to try something else. And that iteration of learning and trying something else and learning and doing something else can allow a team and an organization grow faster than they expected. There's much more that I can help explain about how to benchmark your project, but what I would say is a good starting point is to start to monitor the projects that are ongoing and the projects that have been completed and put together a data set of all the projects and categorize them in a way where you can use them to compare to future projects. I would also say that it's good when you are starting a project to get an outside view of how long it will take to complete a project, something that's realistic, and then compare the two. And lastly, I would say that Understand that there is a tendency towards irrational perseverance. 
And this irrational perseverance can look like many different things, but the best case scenario is to recognize that that's there and then be able to cut your losses without any shame or any detriment to future outcomes. There is so much more that I can explain about benchmarking your project and how you may be able to make better estimates about the outcomes of your projects. But what I would say is that start with what you have at hand. Start with the things that you can do immediately. And once you can do those first few small things, then you can expand. But start small and start where you are now. Then you can be able to make progress towards benchmarking projects in a more methodical way. But there is so much more that can be said about psychology and tactics and leadership when it comes to making sure that projects are completed successfully. But I hope that this episode brought to you by thoughts from Daniel Kahneman can help you be a better leader within your organization. And if you would like to keep track of new episodes that come out, we would recommend just subscribing to our podcast. And they're usually about relevant topics to healthcare leaders and leaders who are working to implement analytics projects in their organization. And if you have any questions for me or Todd, then you can follow us on LinkedIn at LinkedIn slash company slash Arcos Analytics or on Twitter at Arcos Analytics. Thanks for listening.